Well, good morning, Grace Way family. Uh, Pastor Ed here, and welcome to this week's address as we're working our way through the book of Acts. This week we're read through Acts uh, 10 and 11. Uh, and before we get into it, I want to take a minute with you just to review our mission as a church, as a congregation, as a people of God, what we feel that we have been called into. And we try to keep it very simple. One word, <laughs> really cram-packed with so much meaning it is, and that's to love. Our mission at Graceway is to love, to both receive and embrace the love of God and then to let it flow through us and, and to share that love with the world. You know, when I think about this idea, uh, I'm reminded about an old movie from the 80s, 1980s. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's called uh, Brewster's Millions. And the whole idea is there is this man, he was uh, in the minor leagues in baseball, uh, really couldn't really make it any further than that, didn't have a whole lot of uh, possessions or, or money at all. And all of a sudden he hears that he has a rich uncle that passed away and left him an inheritance. And so he goes to the lawyer's office to hear what he was going to be inheriting. And he's told that he's going to inherit a fortune of $300 million. And so there's some stipulations that have to be met before he can actually inherit this money. He says, in order to qualify and fully receive all that is yours, here is $30 million. And you have to spend this $30 million in the next 30 days. And if you can do that, then you will inherit this fortune of $300 million. And there's a couple stipulations that went with this too, is that um, he could not spend that $30 million on any assets. He could not own anything more at the end of the 30 days than he started with. And he, there was also a limit on how much he could donate to charity. He can't just give it all away and say, oh, I spent it. And so his challenge now, and this is what the whole movie is about, is about how he goes about trying to spend, trying to spend $30 million in 30 days and not get any assets and any investments in his name. And uh, really... It's a hilarious movie just to watch uh, because this is more money than he even knows what to do with. And so he has to find creative ways to use this in order to inherit the real fortune, the $300 million that was being left to him. And so I think about this, you know, last week Adam touched on how we have been rescued from the imminent death as the penalty of sin, and we have been released even from the bondage and from the hold that sin and this world has had on us before Jesus. We've been removed from that. But what's more is that we have also been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, His Spirit and the love that comes from God is really more than we can grasp, more than we can fathom, more than we know what to do with. It transforms us from the innermost parts and works its way out and expresses itself through us. And just like Brewster, that was more money than he knew what to do with, we have this overwhelming resource of God's love and the very power of his presence in us. What do we do with this? So what do we do? God wants his love to flow freely, not just to me, not just to you, but he wants that to flow into this world through you and I, through coming to Christ and receiving his message and spirit. Now, we have become partners with him in his work here in this world, and the spirit that he has given us has endowed us with the power to partner with him 
And to live by that spirit, we must find creative ways to express his love and his power. Now, that takes practice. It takes initiative on our part. We need to actually get up and act and move. It takes commitment. And this is really, what this really is, is this is the spiritual gifts that we have all been given, activated, breathed life over and brought to life by the Spirit of God. So we've been called into a new normal. Instead of seeking personal gain and self-preservation and all these things, we've been called to put our efforts into benefiting our neighbor, to serve the Lord as a royal priesthood and serve this world in his name, as his ambassadors. Now, all these things are really just kind of a sliver of the meaning behind our mission, love. <laughs> we try to keep it simple. It sounds simple, but it's more than we know what to do with. And if we truly embrace this love, we'll find that we are being moved to give it away and even to give ourselves away when it serves to benefit our neighbor. Now, these are things that sound foolish and, and don't make sense to the world. It's not considered a normal pattern of behavior to spend what belongs to you to benefit someone else that's not a close loved one or, or relative. But that's what God's love does. That's not just normal, but that's the only way of the kingdom. This is how we operate as a people of God. And this, this is how we carry the kingdom into the earth just as it is in heaven, by living according to the new normal. See, the Bible tells us, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when I hear this statement, though, it, about patterns of the world, I'm challenged to pause. I'm challenged to reflect and consider what that really means. There are patterns and rhythms and ways that we have been raised into. And when we come to live a life for Christ and we're called to step out of those patterns into the new ones, what really are these patterns we're being called to step away from? What patterns maybe am I currently practicing that belong to this world rather than the kingdom of God? See, I believe there, there is some significant, some weighty evidence that support the idea that much of the church in America is actually operating in a way that conforms to the patterns of this world rather than leaving those things behind and living and operating in a transformative way, operating in the way of the kingdom. These are things I believe that the Lord is addressing in us as a congregation, calling us to pause and consider our ways and what he is calling us to do. And so this summer, what we're calling our summer refresher, uh, we're taking time to just stop, take a step back, and reflect. Just to be together, to consider and pray together, and to listen for what the Lord is asking of us as his people and how he is preparing us to step into what lies ahead just around the corner. You know, as the Apostle Paul said in Corinthians, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, we live with purpose. We live on mission. We gather with purpose. And so this is what we are here to do. And even this summer refresher, this step back, this has purpose and meaning behind it as, 
as well. And so this is what we are trying to encourage each and every person to do is just come and just be together and be engaged, be tuned in and be praying not only when we come together, but be praying even in your own personal prayer time and, and having an open ear to how he is leading you, how he is leading us as a body coordinated and working together. So uh, before we transition into our group time together, I want to just cover a couple ideas from our reading in the book of Acts this week. We went through chapters 10 and 11, and these are two huge pieces of the story and really of revelation from God to his church that is really first learning about how he is engaging people in the world. In Acts chapter 10, you'll recall that this is where Peter was being summoned by Cornelius in his house to come and pay them a visit. And as Cornelius is being instructed by an angel to go get Peter, Peter is on his end in the city of Joppa receiving instruction and a vision from the Lord of what is what was seen as unclean to man, God has called clean and don't reject it. So he's preparing Peter for what lies ahead and he's bringing the two together. And this is what we see in chapter 10. Uh, Peter enters the house of Cornelius and as they come to realize that God had been speaking to both of them separately. And now Peter starts to share the message of the gospel with Cornelius. He's, he's just starting to preach the message of Jesus. And all of a sudden he witnesses the Holy Spirit comes down in power upon Cornelius and all of his family and everyone that had been gathered in the, in the home to see what Peter was going to say. And they're filled with the Spirit and they're blown away. The, the, the people that were watching this happen, Peter and there was a group of Christians that came with him, they're blown away at what was going on. See, the Christians that went with him, it says they were stunned that God had accepted these people and, and even more that they received the gift of the Holy Spirit in the same way that they had received it on Pentecost Sunday. In Acts 10, 45 and 46, uh, it, it's put this way. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Now this was an exciting news to see that God's message and his love was, was too powerful to keep to themselves and it spread out, offered to the entire world. Jews, Greeks, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, it's in the scripture. But when the word started to get back now to Jerusalem where the leadership of the new church existed, that turned into a little bit of a problem. See, they started to react the same way that the Pharisees and the priests had responded to Jesus when he began to preach throughout Israel. When they, they challenged him and they rejected it and they said, this is not right, this is not of God. Well, the leadership in the early church actually started to respond in that same way when they found out, wait a minute, this message is going beyond just Jews living throughout Israel. This is actually going into foreigners. Is, is this right? And so they call Peter to task. And this is what Acts chapter 11 is all about. They call Peter to the table and say, hey, what's going on here? Because this doesn't seem right. It's unclean for us even just to eat a meal with Greeks, much less preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ and of hope that has been entrusted to us. How can this be so? And Peter's response to them, he goes on and he actually recounts the vision that God had given him in preparation. He recounts the story that was uh, where the angel appeared to Cornelius and how he brought them together. And he simply tells them what he witnessed. He watched how God came upon them. 
And then it says in Acts 11 that they remembered Jesus's words and having waited against the words, they came to realize that what was happening did not oppose the message of God, but it was actually the fulfillment of what Jesus had said. See, in Acts chapter 11, verse 15 to 17, Peter recounted it this way. He says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as, uh, just as it did on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So the leaders of the church are hearing this testimony. They're weighing it against scripture, against what Jesus had said. And they saw this is actually fulfillment. This is actually looking like this is, this is okay. Now, looking back from our perspective, like in hindsight, looking at the leadership's initial response looks pretty like judgmental and, and harsh. It seems almost maybe selfish trying to keep the message to themselves. But if we pause and put ourselves in their shoes for just a moment, you can see how they were just looking to guard the message that had been entrusted to them. They were trying to make sure that what they were commanded to do by uh, from Jesus was actually what they were doing and they weren't stepping out of bounds. They wanted to be faithful to God's message. So they took what was happening and what they were witnessing and they placed it against scripture. They placed it against the words of Jesus Christ. And when they saw that the scripture supported what was happening, they gladly, it says, that they accepted this, that it was from God, and they did not dare stand in the way of it. They supported it and they encouraged it. This practice is something that is so crucial for us today, and I think oftentimes very lacking. This principle of weighing things against the scripture. You know, the world that we are living in is so dark, so full of deception and manipulative uh, behaviors and ideas, and it demands that we hold fast to the truth and not let ourselves be lured into harmful ideas or sinful practices. But at the same time, we have to keep an open and loving stance towards people. We're called to be his ambassadors, and so we, we embrace the lost, and we want, to, we want to share God's message with them. We don't just come at them uh, with the word of God as if it's a weapon to cut people down. This is the message of hope. This is the message of love. This is the gospel of peace. And so even when we think about uh, Ephesians 6, where Paul said, our struggle is not against people. Let's not misunderstand this. Our struggle is against the spiritual forces of the evil one at power in this world. So how do we go about this? How do we hold fast to the truth, but also operate in love in all things? Well, it takes both resources that we've been given. We have to weigh all things, all ideas, all behaviors, weigh these things against the word of God and discern according to what he has said beyond other ideas or what people are saying or emotions or how we're feeling. The word of God is our standard. That's our foundation. That's what we hold fast to. And we also live by the power of the spirit who will give us counsel and discernment that we need in order to navigate this world and weed through things that come at us and still be able to love people right where they're at. It's only going to happen by walking in the power of the spirit. Only this way can we be faithful to hold to the truth and love our neighbor at the same time. This discernment, though, starts 
Just the same way that Jesus' work with us begins, it starts in our hearts. It starts in our lives, our personal lives. It starts in our homes. Are we living in a transformed way, or are we matching the patterns of this world? Do our life rhythms align with the world, or do they align with Scripture? And this is a question I have to honestly ask myself. Like, Does my lifestyle reveal Scripture fulfilled, or does my lifestyle stand in opposition to the Scripture? Are there things that maybe I need to let go of for the Lord? You know, just as God has released us from the bondage of the sin and of this world, we have to consider, are there things that we are holding on to, I am holding on to, that he wants me to release to him so that we can live fully in the power of the Spirit and not be bound by anything of this world, but just be freely moved by his Spirit. I'm going to close in prayer and then pass it back off uh, to your groups for discussion. Well, God, we thank you for the power of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful to you and your work in our hearts. We could not do this. We could not navigate this world and we could not accomplish the, our God-given mission, Holy Spirit, without you. And so we give you precedence. We give you authority. We open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, and that you would open our eyes and give us discernment even into our own lives. Help us to see, God, are there ways in us? Are there patterns in us that reflect the world instead of your heart and your kingdom? Are there things that need recalibration, that need to be adjusted and centered more around you and make sure that we're not being pulled by these things? We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, family, have a great rest of your day and have a great time uh, in discussion together with, your, with the family of God.